Welcome to episode 553 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Team, welcome along to episode 553 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James. Oz, how you going, mate? I'm very good. I'm not actually married yet. Oh, yes, you are. Well, I am married in your guys' world, but in our world, this is another dimension team. I'm not actually married because we've pre-recorded this show, but I am. I am. I do have a Mrs. Isles next to me in your time. Yeah. What a great wedding, John. It was. Probably go down as the best wedding of all time. Yeah, that break dancing you did, I was pretty Mate, concerned. When my, when my pants split, I was slightly concerned, but I just went with it. I just went, the wanger went out and I went with it, John. And I thought you said you weren't going to drink. Well, you know. Oh goodness. You, sometimes you got to live on the edge, you know. Yeah. Tell you what, I didn't speak about my drinking. My next day, I wasn't actually as bad as I thought it was going to be. Mm. Mm, so there you go. Anyway, I'm Talk is proudly brought to you by... Athlinks.com. Social networking for endurance athletes. Extreme endurance. Your lactic buffer. And our patrons. And then we've got Robert... We've got Robert, oh, sorry, Matthew Roberts, Sea Eagle. Lauren, Spidey Webb. No, that's a good one, David. Uh, the Patriot, Meenan. And Joe Harwood, the Mighty Ray. Now, we did do another one for Joe, but I forgot to write it down. So well, can you remember what it is? Because you, you vetoed my uh, the can Mighty Can you remember Ray. what the one was? No, oh. I'll tell you if I know. Oh, you didn't write it down when I said oh, okay. said I was, I was really had my... Good listening ears on. And, as, uh, as John Newsom is really well known for his listening. Uh, and lastly, Mike Thompson, me, uh, many, man, I think it's uh, Man of Many Faces. Okay, sorry, Man of Many Faces. That, that's actually a spelling error, not my reading error for once. <laughs> um, so in this week's show, guys, we have pre-recorded this because I am on my honeymoon right now. So we're basically going to do a very quick news, or we're just basically looking at Challenge Wanaka coming up this weekend. We've got a website of the week, a quick statistic, and then we've got an interview. We have with Gary Renai uh, talking about icing and... Is it needed? Is it needed? Is it needed, John? And he's very passionate about this. We're going to talk about that later on. Okay, John, so let's get straight into it. Who got the most drunk at your wedding? We're going to make a prediction? Yeah. Who got the most drunk? It's going to be like my, my, my nephew, Mitchell. Right, okay. You know what I mean? Like, it'll be someone like that, you yeah. know, young people. Yeah. Who's We're, not going to take one of the bridesmaids home? No, because it's Joseph. She's married. No, they're both up. No, <laughs> yeah. well, not up the duff, but they're both. They're both. Oh, no, I'm not going to say that, am I? Uh, they're both. Um, they're both taken, John. They're right. both married. Okay. And he's got a partner as well. So I'm not sure. Maybe it's you. Are you planning? No. What's the no, plan? I'm a week out from Challenge One. Yeah, carbo loading. Carbo loading. <laughs> carbo loading. Joe, who's, who pulled the best dance moves? Who do you reckon is going to be the best dancer? Mm. Well, I've got some Les Mills people. No, don't say me because I'm terrible. Some Les Mills people can dance. Mm. It's yeah. probably a shame. Yeah. Is she a good dancer, is she? Yeah. There we go. Do you, do you think I would have cried? Yeah, I think you're, yeah. We went to a wedding last weekend. My mate Scotty cried me a bloody river. <laughs> every, every second he was crying. It was beautiful. John, it was beautiful. <laughs> sure, it was. It was, it was beautiful. Um, now, this is after the fact, so people won't know this who are maybe going to the wedding. If anybody else is listening that's going, first dance, what was it? We haven't, we haven't, we, you know what? First dance is the one thing we've been really slack on. Oh, last dance? Um, time of the life Right uh, <laughs> But we'll probably play that earlier as well Yeah That's a great finishing song First dance We're kind of being a bit weak on it Aren't we babe The first dance We're being a bit weak on it Yeah we haven't got one <laughs> <laughs> But we were thinking The 30 second strategy Get in Hug Move yeah. <laughs> Grab everyone in Yeah 
So oh, that's good. Don't, don't expect much on the first dance. The other big event coming up this week is Challenge Wanaka. Oh, Kevin's going to be down there. Uh, I'm literally going from my honeymoon to Wanaka. Cheering yeah. me on. Yeah. And uh, we have the full there. We have the half distance there. The focus is on the full in terms of the professional race. Um, the half is... Uh, just you know, I don't don't believe there's any prize money or anything like that. So I think so. No. Um, so men's race could be quite interesting. You've got uh, Dougal Allen, who is renowned for his biking skills. And he's won it in the past. He won it the last three years year. Ago? I think he won it last year. He just decimated the field on the bike. Uh, it's a terrible swimmer. Not being nasty. No. Relative to his biking is running. He's a terrible um, swimmer. Very strong biker um, and steady runner. So he is the defending champion coming back. Luke McKenzie is racing. Oh, wow. And uh, so that's going to be really interesting to see how he goes. We spoke to him, I remember interviewing him after Kona, and he was not a happy chappy and really a bit downbeat. Mm. But, um, going, oh, geez, I don't know what I'm going to do now. You know, And he's been second in Kona, so he's uh, he's had some great He racing. looks at the bloody pill recorder again. <laughs> Stop it. He's an eight-time long-distance champion, uh, second in Kona, and he had, the f- had clocked the fastest Um time in Australasian soil when he did a really fantastic race over in uh, WA a little while ago. Yeah, that's right. He smashed it, didn't he? Lorenzo beat that recently. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he goes. Also, you got Luke Bell in there. He's you know very up and down these days. Um, interesting one will be Mike Phillips. He's a local guy who has had some really good success over the half distance. This is his first full. So I'm intrigued to see how he goes. And then there's a few other guys that will be uh, nipping at the other's heels if they're not on their game pair. But, no, Courtney Ogden, Alistair Caird, Mark, Matt Randall, and Simon Villiol. So should be good. On the girls' side of things, you've got Yvonne Van Vlerken is coming back and Laura Siddle, who's been based in Christchurch here um both fantastic athletes uh, so i think it'll be a battle between those those two there um you've got some locals like simone mayer going in there you get grice um a pommy girl and uh yeah so i'll be a meredith hill in australian so i think but really it's going to be between uh laura siddle and yvonne van Vlerken. Well, it's going to be a cool race. Wanaka's a great race. Great spot. And uh, the thing is, it's a, it's a lottery what sort of weather you're going to get. The course yeah. is awesome. It's uh, you know really difficult. Um, we're challenging bike course. So on the bike, uh, it, it's about 16, 1,700 metres of climbing on the bike. Very lumpy, big chip, stunning views. Oh. Can Unbelievable. Be, can be quite windy. Um, can be completely. Oh, it can be crazy windy. Can be completely calm. And same sort of deal on the lake. You know, it can be like a, you know, a mill pond and beautiful um, sunrise there and have a great swim, but it can also be pretty choppy. And then the run, you've got a bit of a mixture of trails, a big climb in the middle. And uh, so it's a, just a good, honest, all rounders course. What's your plan? My plan is. I don't know where. I don't know who's racing. So I haven't looked at any start lists or anything yet. Do, do they put start lists up for the half? I'm sure they will, but probably oh, yeah, a few yeah, days yeah, before yeah, the race. Um, I'm just going to go out there and do my own thing. I mean, I'm going to race as hard as I possibly can. Are you fe- how are you and feeling? Like, if you're going to say going into Kona 2015, was it? 10, your peak? Yeah. I'm probably at a similar state now, nearly, that I was. So 90% the same, of that maybe same, same time okay. that I was going into, into oh, so you're pretty Kona. Fit. So I'm reasonably fit. Swim's going to be pretty poor. I'm not in very good swim shape. The run is coming along. I haven't done a huge amount. So I'm, I'm optimistic my bike's going to be okay. So I've got numbers I want to try to hit, and if I hit them, I'll be happy. don't know what sort of placing that's going to give me. Um, I want Ideally, I'd like to think I can hold four-minute Ks on the on the run, uh, and if I can bike around sort of 255 to 260 watts on the bike, I'll be pretty happy, and the swim's just always a bit subjective. So uh, 
look forward to locking horns with a few people out there on the course. I think I think the thing about the Wanaka run is it's such a technique run. If you can run with good technique and work your technique wisely through that run, mm. you can gain so much speed if you you know because the the climbs in it are short. Mm-hmm. But the descents are long, so you know if you can get into those descents and just kind of really lean into it and let go, you can gain so much speed on that courses. Looking forward to what it. What a run. Well, good luck to everyone racing there, and we are going to be down there, so if you do see us, you know, I'll, I'll take the mic. Take the voice recorder, yeah, I'll, I'll do a bit the, afterwards yeah, as well. Yeah, well, so we can get some good interviews, and, and that means we get a day off. <laughs> we yeah. don't have to do too much work the next week. But um, so but come up and say hello, and uh, yeah, we, we always love seeing you guys out there, and good luck to everyone racing. Okay, John, website of the week. week, and the Mountain Snail put this through to the John Vito Challenge, and it passed. It has passed. I haven't actually looked at it in detail yet. It's not really a website, it's just a YouTube clip, but the Island House International Triathlon has now got their sort of television show out, and uh, I'm going to watch that probably on the trainer this afternoon, because it's forecast to rain. I mean, I don't even get somebody telling me that I need to digiperiting.co.nz is the ad that I'm seeing before oh, it comes on. Okay. Uh, but it's basically the Island House coverage, so I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It's top, top quality athletes. It looks like they've pulled together a really good um, show here, lots of interviews with the athletes, high caliber of athletes there. Uh, so I'm looking forward to it. Okay, good time. So it's just a little a clip, uh, 44 minutes of coverage for you guys to watch on the trainer or just watch by yourself uh, of the Island House Triathlon, which is a unique format. I'm some, I'm quite intrigued to see what this looks I'm like. I'm interested to see how they package it mm. as a as a presentation. Mm. So I'll put a link to that on www.imtalk.me. Three, two, one, statistic. It's fantastic. 1981, John. I'm in being around for about three or four years. What were you doing in 1981? I was starting school. You would have been, wouldn't you? Yeah. Wow, what school was your first primary school? Redcliffe's Primary. You stayed there the whole time? Yes. Redcliffe's no longer there, is it? It's going around the corner. Yeah. You're not happy about that? No, I don't think it's the correct move. But that's okay. Another oh, story. oh, no, let's talk politics on this one. What, what was the right move? Stay with that. Just move the buildings forward. Because my old school was Redcliffe's because it's got cliffs behind it. And then the earthquakes, um, lots of rock falls down the back of the, the it school. It was dangerous. Dangerous, but it never got into the school or anything like that. Yeah. But the school has got all these playing fields out the front. So you could quite easily just shift all the buildings forward a bit. And uh, yeah. You're not happy with the new location? The new location's crap. Why is it crap? It's basically next to an estuary and it's just short term. Short-term viewer, I think. Okay. No, you need to get into politics, John. I'm Great argument sure. there. Yeah. Uh, if I was voting, who know who to vote for? Coach John Newsom. You could be the president, Coach John Newsom. Yeah. Coach make the New country. Zealand, make New Zealand great make again. Make New Zealand great again. Oh. Okay, so 1981, I was, I was still at preschool. Yeah. I used to go to kindergarten down, oh, was it Simeon Street? Yeah, Simeon Street. I have, yeah. I, I have one or two memories from kindy. Mm-hmm. What's your earliest memory? No, school. I don't have any memories from, from kindy, really. So school times. They used to have a, a butcher next to my kindy, mm. and after kindy, you'd always give the kids a free half sausage, a little saveloy. Yeah, yeah, it was save. Yeah, yeah, second <laughs> save. Second save. And uh, I do. I vaguely remember getting one of those. Yeah. yeah. So, but what is your earliest memory in life? Come on, John. You've got to prepare me for this stuff. I've I remember. Got, I've got no goal. Elsa from the Salvation Army giving me a free truck. Right. We lived in Salvation Army clothes. <laughs> That's yeah. how we rolled. Yeah. <laughs> We weren't really wealthy. We didn't have much money. Okay, John. Well, 1981, you were going to school. You've got no memories of it. <laughs> it. Iron Man moved to the Big Island. That's what I remember about 1981. Oh, yeah. I remember you being at school. I remember I vaguely passed you on the street and you're like, oh, hey, how you going? Iron Man's going to the, the Big Island. Through. <laughs> the telegram came through. The telegram came through. 1981 was a year. Iron Man moved to the Big Island. And the second thing that happened with Iron Man in 1981 is athletes no longer needed support crews. 
to two. So why did it move to the Big Island? Was it just it was just that Waikiki was too busy? Yeah, I think that was the main reason. We I think we, we did ask Valerie Silk that, so we probably should have listened a bit closer. But you could go back to Legends of Triathlon, listen to the Valerie Silk interview. Mm. And if you really listen to it, Christy Wellington, mm-hmm. that's up now. And uh, so I think that was the main reason was 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 the traffic. But there was when they moved over there, there was trying to figure out the course. Took them a little while, but that was a pretty key key moment when you no longer need a support crew, which obviously well, it changes enables, the race, doesn't enables it? Enables you to, to have a lot more participants out there as well. A couple of other things that happened in 1981. Oh, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> George's history. To pad a few things here. The first London Marathon was held. Which I, I thought was, when I read that just then, I thought it would have been earlier. Mm. Yeah. And when did marathons become a big thing? It was the 80s, wasn't it? Yeah. Running became massive yeah, the in the 80s. 80s. Yeah. The Unrun Bowl in New Zealand. <laughs> here we, <laughs> we go. We never let this one go. We, we never Crick, let this go. Cricket, cricket is... Um, here we go. Tell the story, Jim. Yeah, so Americans, cricket, you probably don't really understand, but you wouldn't, you know what it was, but there was a, a game in 1981, and it was against New Zealand and Australia. I think they were thumping us, but we needed to score Basically, six a, a, runs. In a baseball analogy, you've got to get a home run to win the game. And let's say the so both... It's even the, longer odds than that, I'd say. It was... Yeah, well, I'm just the analogy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and instead of the pitcher pitching the ball, they rolled the ball along the ground. Yeah. And that's what the, the Australian bowler did. And, <laughs> and we'll never forget it. And it's been, what, 30-something years, but we're never letting it go. It happened in 1981. <laughs> and what, what happened in 2017... So we beat the Australians as well? Is we beat the Australians yes. 2-0. We pulled their pants oh, down in the cricket last week. Oh, it was great. God, it was good. Oh, so good. Although that first game was a bit scary. Yeah. Australians, we know you. Although they pulled our pants down when we were over there. Yeah, fair enough. So we're both walking around (laughs) with our pants. (laughs) It's our husky Australasians role. It's going to be just like your wedding. Everyone walks around (laughs) with pants down. And the other thing that happened, Charles and Diana got wed in 1981. Really? Wow. And President Reagan got shot. Jeepers, creepers, John, you are history. You are delivering. I don't remember Charles and... I remember... I vaguely remember Charles and Diana, but the reason I remember it is because remember Adrian Mole? Yeah. Remember the TV series? And they had this big thing around, they got married. And that's the only reason I really remember it. Mm. There were a lot of lot of teaspoons, eh? And and plates and all that kind of crap. Mm. That was a big thing. Mm. Although the last Royal Wedding, Joe, you were loving it, weren't you, babe? We always stayed up. I was like, oh, we're going to watch this. We? And we watched like six hours of it. <laughs> Joe was like, no, we're not leaving. <laughs> she pulled Co- back on it. Committed. 16th Coke. Show, show John your tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. We've got an interview coming up, John. We have. So I got an email through from uh, Colin Durant, and he was saying, hey, guys, um, not sure if you've heard about this anti-ice guy, Gary Renai. Um, basically, I've been told to, we've been always been told to put ice on injuries for the past 40 years, and according to Gary, this is a complete load of rubbish. That's what we're going to hear about in this interview now is you're going to hear all about Gary. T- the better way to deal with injuries. Icing is, is not the way to go. Okay, here we go. Here's Gary. Righto, guys, we're going to be challenging some beliefs that some of you guys might have out there today around uh, injury prevention, and, uh, not injury prevention, but recovery from injuries. Um, we're talking to Gary Rinal. He's uh, the anti-ice man, and we're going to be, you can go to his website, uh, GaryRinal.com. So that's Gary with one R, R-E-I-N-L.com. We'll have links to that in the, the show notes as well. Um, and Gary's going to talk to us about his book, Ice the illusionary treatment and uh, maybe some different ideas for you guys to think about what you should be doing when you're coming back from uh, from injuries or inflammation. So welcome along to the show, Gary. Oh, my pleasure. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me. 
Um, so Gary, can you give us a bit of background about yourself before we sort of get into things? Because these days there's so much information on the internet and people don't know who they should be trusting, who they should be believing. And, and so maybe just tell us a bit about your background and, and what sort of makes you, you know, a good credible authority on, um, on you know, icing and, and whether or not people should be doing it. Well, the start, I've been doing work with professional world-class athletes and and other elite athletes for over 40 years. That certainly doesn't make me qualified. So let's, you know, let's not try to run with that being, oh, that's why you should listen to me. Here's why you should listen to me. I spent over seven years reading hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of articles on the topic of tissue preservation and regeneration post-injury, post-surgery. I read every book on the topic, literally every book on the topic. If it it was on the topic, I bought the book and I read it. (laughs) And then I interviewed hundreds of the most elite uh, athletic trainers, physical therapists, orthopedic surgeons, sports chiropractors in the United States, literally flew around the country speaking to all the head trainers of virtually every one of the four major leagues in, our, in, this, in the U.S., which is football, basketball, baseball, and hockey, and many of the soccer head trainers, along with the heads of rehabs of most of those organizations. And what I did was ask a very simple question. Do you ice, and if so, why, and what have you found? Hmm. And I did that not to find out why you shouldn't use ice, but I did that to find out the best way to use ice. Mm. In this role, I was in effect a reporter. I was gathering the information, organizing it, and I intended to write a book about the best way to use ice. Because if you look, you'll notice there is no such book on the best way to use ice. Mm. And talking to trainers, some would say, well, I you only use it the first 24 hours. And others would say, well, I only use cold water compression. And others would say, well, I like the cold air. And others would say, well, I only do it uh, with crushed ice, and I do it for the first two weeks, but then I don't do it ever again. Then others say, well, I do it every time I do any kind of therapy on anybody who's had any tissue damage. And there was this answer and that answer, and they were all different. Mm. And I thought, well, heck, there must be a best way to do it. So let me find out the best way. And that's what I set out to do. Now with that, this is the challenge that I put forth in all of my presentations and all of my talks. If I could prove to you that the godfather of the ice age, the man who literally invented the rice protocol, that's rest, ice, compression, elevation, one of the most famous protocols in the world, certainly in sports medicine, the most known protocol for tissue injury, tissue damage. And that's the rice protocol. And if I could prove to you that the man who invented that protocol has publicly recanted, said that he made it up in his 1978 sports medicine book, that research has clearly shown he was wrong, and don't do it if delays healing. If I could prove that to you and prove that he wrote the foreword to the anti-ice man's book, that's me, stating that same information. Would you at least listen to me? So John, would you at least listen to me if I could prove to you that the man, the Harvard trained physician, board certified in four medical professions, whose protocol is world famous, 
if I could prove to you that he has publicly recanted, acknowledging he was wrong and you shouldn't do it, and that he went on to write the forward to the anti-Iceman's book, would you at least listen to me? That, that's what we're here to do today, to listen to, listen to exactly. Well, well, so there you go. So that, that's why that when people say, are you qualified? I say, I know of no one else who can tell you what I just said. So, I'm the only person I know that ever took the time to figure out what was what and why people said what they and did what they did. And why do you think that is? Because, um, you know, I, I, I've listened to another interview you did and, and we'll go into obviously a bit more, a lot more detail. But why do you think that, um, you know, highly qualified medical practitioners, doctors around the world, you know, some of the smartest people out there um, have just sort of taken for granted that that's what we do? Well, now this is conjecture, but I will respond because I've been asked the question many times and I've thought it through. This is what I believe. I believe that the people that you are discussing know how to handle very serious problems. You have a player down. He can't breathe. You need to respond now or the person dies. You have a serious head injury. Someone's been poked in the eye. A bone is sticking out of the skin. There's problems that are very serious. That's what they focus on. They learn about putting ice on damaged tissue, the right protocol, literally in their pre-education. So in their undergraduate schools where they learn the right protocol, this is one of those, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And then they go and learn the hard stuff. So if you want to talk about what do you do if a guy just gets smacked in the head by another head, the guy's unconscious on the ground, and it looks like he's not breathing. You want to ask those people who you just described, because they really know what to do to save your life. When it comes to icing, rice is nice. That was the protocol, rest, ice, compression, elevation. It rhymed. Rice is nice. It caught on. It was easy to do. Took no thinking whatsoever. You simply put ice in a bag and wrapped it around a guy's leg and velcroed it or or ace bandage or whatever onto them. So it required no effort, no thought, no nothing, and therefore it became popular. It doesn't in any way, shape, or form mean there was ever any evidence it was a good idea. It was just popular. And that's it. It has no other, there is no clinical evidence whatsoever that it does the things that people think they're using it for. And that is the big point. Why do they think they're using it? Well, they say they use it to prevent inflammation. Well, actually, it doesn't prevent inflammation whatsoever, and it actually makes it worse, not better, but I'll explain that in a second. Here's what happens. When you're hurt, the inflammatory response is your innate intelligence response to the tissue damage. You don't want to block inflammation. Inflammation is phase phase one of three phases of healing. I'm not making that up. Google it. Google healing. You'll see it's inflammation repair remodel. It's three steps. Mm. You, why would you ever want to block it? Well, pharmaceuticals make things called anti-inflammatories. They're very popular. Of course, they're wrong too. But ice is to prevent inflammation. Well, actually, when the tissue rewarms, the inflammatory response resumes, and you don't block anything with ice. And that's, by, by the way, a good problem, because if it blocked it, you wouldn't heal. So the good news is it doesn't block it, it merely delays it. But the bad news is you did it to block it, 
you didn't block it, but actually it makes it worse because it destroys additional tissue because the cold actually destroys tissue. And I can give you multiple articles to demonstrate that. They're highlighted in my book, of course. But the one article, or you can Google, Google cryotherapy and nerve damage. You'll see there's a, you, you'll spend three hours reading about it. You'll find that very often in the protocols it says never put ice over top of the superficial nerve because it can destroy the nerve, cause permanent nerve damage. You know about frostbite, so you know it destroys, destroys skin cells. We know that it destroys muscle cells because a study that was published in the Journal of Athletic Medicine Research in September of 2013, they thought they were going to show you how ice helps in healing and recovery. But actually what they found out when they drew blood was it caused additional muscle damage. So we know it kills skin, nerve, and muscle cells. It's likely it also kills the stem cells, the stem cells that are residing above the muscle and below the skin. So it's like, wait a minute, what are you doing here? You're trying to prevent inflammation, which you shouldn't do, which you can't do, because when the tissue rewarms, the inflammatory response resumes. So you don't really block it to begin with. You shouldn't be trying to block it because it stays one of three phases of healing. But then on top of that, when the tissue rewarms, the inflammatory response resumes, now you have the additional damage you've caused, which sets off an inflammatory response. So that which you thought you were going to block, which you didn't block, which you were trying to block, you actually made worse because the new damage is setting off an inflammatory response. And it's like, did you ever stop and think? Well, when I ask that question, uh, I'll have 150 people in the room that are all smart, very well educated, and no one ever, I've never had someone say what you just said is not true. What about what I just said is 100% true. What about in terms of, you know, when we when we ice areas, whether it be, you know, maybe if you can use like an Achilles tendon and in, um, inflammation as an example. So maybe if you can sort of explain what's actually happening there. So let's say someone's been out training and they come back and their Achilles is sore. You know, I would say that's possibly the most common injury we're going to get for, for triathletes. You know, obviously in contact sports, it's, you know, maybe tears and, and so on. But, you know, in, in triathlon, it's often overuse injuries. So if, if we use Achilles, Achilles, you know, tendon pain as an example. Can you maybe just sort of go through really simply the what's actually happening with that tendon when it actually swells up, and um, and then you know a lot of the time when we ice things they feel better afterwards. Um, so maybe if you can just explain the process of what actually happens by that tendon um, being uh, you know enlarged and and actually why why it feels better after icing and why that's not necessarily the best thing to do. I know you've sort of gone into that already well, a bit, but maybe just go through in sort of a sequential process. Let's start at the end there about a feeling better because it's true. If you make it numb, it doesn't hurt because you don't feel it. But I liken that to the sympathetic bartender that gives the alcoholic a drink so it can temporarily feel better. Mm. At what cost? Did you solve the problem or make it worse? Yes. It'll feel better because it's numb. Is it better? No. Did you cause any symptom management whatsoever regarding solving the problem? No. You actually made it worse, by the way, by putting the ice on. You don't get rid of the swelling. That actually increases the swelling in the area because it causes a backflow from lymphatic vessels, which is a passive system designed to move the waste out. 
it actually causes a backflow from lymphatic vessels into the interstitial space and actually makes the swelling more, not less. So really to pull all the way back to the beginning of your comment, of your question, here's what happens. When tissue is damaged, the alarms go off. Now, we're going to keep this 101, okay? Mm. If you want the complicated explanation, it's Chapter 5 in my book, and <laughs> I explain everything. Yeah. So you can go read it if you want complicated. But let's keep it in real people terms, because I understand this when I say it this way. Yeah. And I, most people I talk to, the more educated they are, the more they appreciate keeping it simple. I call it the repair and cleanup crew. And the repair and cleanup crew is summoned when the tissue is damaged. And so your immune system sets off an inflammatory response to send the repair and cleanup crew to the site. That repair and cleanup crew is mobilized by the increased fluid that's sent to the area. So what happens is that the damaged vessels constrict and the surrounding healthy vessels dilate and increase perfusion. In other words, they get bigger and they let more fluid in. So to think that you are going to block that by making it cold, realize you're merely the best you can do is delay it because you can't block it because once the tissue rewarms, that process is going to take place because fortunately your innate intelligence is smarter than your foolishness. <laughs> so it's going to come now. So here's what happens. The damaged vessels constrict, close down, convert ingredients in the blood to grow a clot, grow the clot, repair the vessel, dissolve the clot in three to five days or so and normalize blood flow through that vessel. Simultaneously, the waste is being contained, destroyed and contained if there's any germs, destroyed and contained by the repair and cleanup crew to be mobilized in that increased fluid that's sent to the area through your lymphatics, which are a passive system nearly fully reliant upon muscle activation around the vessels to move the waste. Think of milking a cow backwards, okay? So picture milking a cow backwards. That's how your lymphatics work. That's basically your drainage system to get the waste out, the swelling. Now, when you say swelling, many people, uh, by design, because we're programmed, think, oh, swelling. But let's stop. Swelling isn't a good or a bad thing. It is merely the accumulation of waste at the end of the inflammatory cycle that you failed to evacuate. That's all it is. If there's not a good or a bad thing, it's not, it's not there to punish you. It's not there to reward you. It's merely the accumulation of waste at the end of the inflammatory cycle that you failed to evacuate. So the only reasonable question is, according to me, and since I'm answering, it's going to be according to me, the only reasonable question is, how do you evacuate that waste? Well, it can't go any other way. There's no, it can't come through your skin, can't go through your toes. It's got to go back to your lymphatic vessels. And the lymphatic vessels are passive, nearly fully relying upon muscle activation around those vessels to move the waste. Never milking the cow backwards. So simple question. I'm going to ask you this question now. So this is just a real question for you. How could shutting off the signals between the muscles and the nerves, that's what icing does, mm. how could shutting off the signals between the muscles and the nerves possibly move the waste through a passive system? Go ahead and tell me how, how it could do that. Well, it's not going to, is it? So, 
Of course it doesn't do it. Yeah. That's the whole, that's why my book is called ice, the illusionary treatment option. It never did what you thought it was going to do. Now here's the crazy part to that. This is the thing I couldn't believe as I got through the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of articles interviewing the, the hundreds of elite trainers and doctors and therapists around the country and around the U S and saying, well, wait a minute, you're doing that. You know, it doesn't work. Have you at least any information in the peer-reviewed index literature, you know, the credible literature that says doing it does that? Well, you know what? After 40 years of widespread use, there is not a shred of evidence, none, none, zero, that says if you put ice on damaged tissue, it will prevent inflammation. It doesn't. There's nothing that says that. There is nothing that says it will prevent swelling. Nothing that says that. There is nothing that says it will evacuate swelling. Nothing. And you go, well, wait a minute, what? There have been four worldwide reviews on the topic since 2004. In 2013, the British, British Journal of Sports Medicine, I'm sorry, 2012. 2012, the, journal, the British Journal of Sports Medicine. 2008, the American Journal, the, uh, the Journal of Emergency Medicine. 2004, the, U, the, the U.S., the, the American Journal of Sports Medicine. 2004, the Journal of Athletic Medicine Research. Four worldwide reviews on the topic. Conclusion, I'm summarizing, paraphrasing, but this mm. is the conclusion to all four articles, all four journal articles, so the reviews of everything available. Okay, they look at everything out there. Conclusion, although popular, there is no evidence whatsoever that this helps. Mm. And you go, wait a minute, how could that be? Well, wait, it's worse than that. There's not only no evidence that it helps, there is indisputable proof that it delays healing, that it increases swelling, that it causes additional damage, and that it shuts off the signals that alert you to harmful movement, and you need movement to solve the problem. It's like, who would do that? Imagine I came to you, and I said, Coach John, I got an idea for you. Now listen to me, there's a little problem here, because we've been doing it for 40 years, and there's no evidence whatsoever it helps, and, and there's indisputable proof that it delays healing, increases swelling, causes additional damage, and shuts off the signals that alert you to harmful movement, and you need movement to solve the problem. Would you like to try it? Absolutely. What would you tell me? Yeah. You'd be like, get out of here. What a stupid idea is that? <laughs> That's what the country, the world of athletics is doing today. They are literally doing something that ridiculous. They're doing something that there's no evidence that it works. There's in, indisputable proof that it causes additional damage, that it delays healing, that it increases swelling, and that it shuts off the signals that alert your harmful movement, and you need movement to solve the problem. How could that possibly be something people still do? So I, I literally would, I was given a, uh, um, an opportunity to speak to a head trainer of an NBA basketball team here in the States. And I was in talking to him and I explained everything to him and he agreed 100%. He had not one argument. He goes, you're right. He goes, I just never thought of it because I never had to think of it. So I never thought of it. Hmm. He agreed hundred percent. That was on a Tuesday. And why I know is because the following Thursday night, so two nights later, I saw his team playing on television and I was watching. And sure enough, one of his players came out of the game with knee pain. And a few minutes later, they had a big ice bag wrapped around his leg with 
bandages, you know, holding the cellophane, holding the ice bag on his knee, a multi-million dollar athlete, someone they pay millions of dollars a year to dribble and shoot a basketball. They've got him wrapped up in ice sitting on the bench out of the game. And I'm thinking, you know that's wrong. You know that's wrong. Why are you doing that? And yet, there it is, right in front of my eyes in less than, and a little more than 48 hours before that, the man had totally agreed that you shouldn't do it. And you go, why? How's this happening? Because it's what people do. It takes a long time to shift the paradigm. So I, I guess and we're people, shifting it. people are going to be listening to this and going, um, they're going to be going, right, I'm, I'm hearing what you're saying. So if I'm not icing, you know, am I supposed to be using... Um, warmth or heat to, to try to you know improve this information um, I know you're gonna you want to go into um, muscular sort of activation and so on so maybe can we sort of start stepping through different treatments and, and I know a lot of people will be keen to hear um, information on anti-inflammatories whether um, heat is a good viable option and then if you can maybe go into what you sort of mean by muscle activation and, and, and the practicalities of actually doing it well I have a, a free article that anybody can get online. It's called anti-inflammatory. So if you put in anti-inflammatory and my last name, Reinel, R-E-I-N-L, my lead co-author is the editor-in-chief of the Physician Sports Medicine Journal, a very credible, very well-known uh, journal. He's also the medical director for the American Council on Exercise. So I say that so you say, wow, that's a pretty strong co-author. Okay, go read what it says because all we do is reference the facts regarding why you shouldn't use anti-inflammatory drugs, by the way, right out of the pharmaceuticals warning pages. Mm -hmm. So we give you the information. It's free. Go get it. It's anti-inflammatory rhino. It'll come right up. You can have it. Use it any way you want. Now, with that said, uh, you look at the next thing and you say, well, so what about heat? Well, I didn't get into heat in my book because I elected to deal with ice. Now, in the process of studying ice, clearly there's a reality that's going to happen where you're going to come across heat because the two of those things, hot and cold and contrast fast, and it just comes up in the literature searches. So here's what's wrong with heat. I'm not a heat enemy. It feels good. I get it. But here's the problem. When you use heat on your body, passive heat, it causes vasodilation, which increases the flow in. Here's the problem with that. Your immune system has already regulated the flow in by dilating and increasing perfusion of the surrounding healthy vessels. So the right amount of fluid has already been sent to the area. Now you're putting on heat and you're increasing the flow even more in. Here's the problem. What's your exit plan? You already have fluid being sent to the area that's going to accumulate if you don't evacuate it. Now you're taking and you're making more go there with no exit plan. Well, what do you think is going to happen? It's going to swell even more. So I do not recommend using heat because of the simple fluid dynamics reality. It doesn't work. You can't send more into an area that already has what it needs. It doesn't help to send more in. What you need to do is have a plan to evacuate the waste at the end of the inflammatory cycle. 
And since it evacuates by the lymphatics, which are a passive system, a passive one-way system, think of it as a drain in your kitchen. It, as it goes down the drain, it goes through the pipe, through the thing, into the ground, and then out to the factory, wherever they process it. Okay. Think of your lymphatics like that. There's some 165,000 miles of those vessels in your body, more or less, depending on how big you are, but about 165,000 miles of lymphatic vessels. Passive, nearly fully relying upon muscle activation around them to move the waste. So you can't get the waste out without activating the muscles. So how are you going to get it out? Well, you got to activate the muscles. Well, let's just say it's that, uh, you have an Achilles tear, and mm. and it's really bad. You can't you can't walk. You can't, you can't even put your heel on the floor. It hurts so bad. Okay, so how are you going to activate the muscles? The best you can. Uh, elevate. Um, uh, you know, keep your leg flat. You don't want to be you don't want to be standing up because it's it's just harder to pump the blood that way, and the fluid. So lie down, wiggle your toes, move your ankle the best you can, flex your calf, flex your quads the best you can. Whatever you can do, anything is better than nothing. Stillness is the enemy. You don't want to do that. So move the best you can. And whatever that is, do. Wiggle your toe if that's all you can do. Great, do that. That's better than nothing. Flex your quad. If, you're, if your Achilles hurts, you can flex your quad and most of your calf with zero pain. I have a simple rule. Use your brain, never cause pain. So follow that rule, and it's really hard to go wrong. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't do anything because there's a lot of things you can do. You flex the muscles the best you can, as long as you can, as often as you can. The waste will evacuate in otherwise healthy people. It will go out, but you have to move. And now you say, well, is there another way to do it other than me sitting here flexing my toes and flexing my muscles and my legs? Yeah, you can do it electronically. And I recommend, I, I use a product called Mark Pro, and the Mark Pro is a, a wonderful product that uh, activates the muscles, and you don't have to do anything, you just sit there and it activates the muscles along that path, and you put a, a few, if it were your Achilles, for example, you put a pad that sends the electricity on the bottom of your foot, one the back of your leg, one the middle of your quad, and one up near your groin area, and that will activate the muscles along your leg, and you simply run it until you evacuate all the waste. And it's that simple. I literally have stories coming back. I have hundreds of stories, by the way. But in my, in my book, I give you a bunch of highlights. But literally hundreds of stories of people who do the simple recommendation that I say. The day following a third degree ankle sprain, virtually no swelling. And you say, well, how can that be? Why didn't it swell? Because you didn't allow the waste to accumulate at the end of the inflammatory cycle. Think of it this way. I know it doesn't snow much where you live. I don't think it does, right? <laughs> no. you, don't, you don't get snow, do you? <laughs> okay. But think of snow because you know what snow is, okay? When it snows, let's just say it's going to snow 24 inches in 24 hours. And you know it. It's going to snow exactly one inch per hour for 24 straight hours. At the end of the day, that would be 24 inches of snow. However... If every hour on the hour, you simply walked outside with a good stiff broom, you could effortlessly keep your sidewalk clear of merely an inch of snow. It would be simple. And a good stiff broom is all you'd need to do it. Every hour on the hour, go out and sweep it and keep it clean. If, however, you waited 24 hours 
until 24 inches of angry snow have accumulated on your sidewalk. I assure you it won't be effortless and you'll be using more than a good stiff broom mm. to clear it. Now, so how does that apply here? Here's the mistake most people make. They hurt their ankle, hurts, begins to swell. They get off of it and they sit still. And they don't want to move. Got to stay still. I hurt my ankle. Mm. And then they watch it swell. And then they wonder why in the morning their toes are purple and you can't even tell where their toenails are because it's so swollen. They say, well, why did you allow 20 points of angry snow to accumulate? Why didn't you just keep sweeping it off one inch every hour? How long would you be connected, uh, you know, with, with the machine that you were talking about in terms of the muscle activation, how long do you stay connected to that for, I mean, is it a case you are staying on it for as, as long a period as you can, as you said, to sort of sweep that snow off, um, or are you staying on it for short to medium term? Um, if it, it, let's just say this is a significant third degree ankle sprain. It's, it's mm -hmm. a bad one. It's going to take about 10 hours to get ahead of the problem and stay ahead of it. So you'd have to, you'd have to run the machine for somewhere between five to 10 hours straight on low intensity, by the way, you don't beat yourself up. This doesn't hurt. It, it isn't like you get tired. It, the, the way that particular machine is programmed is that it doesn't fatigue the muscle, which means it doesn't make you bigger, stronger, or prettier. Okay. It, it doesn't do that. So if you want to get bigger, stronger, or prettier, that's not the device for you. If you want to decongest the area and prevent the accumulation of waste at the end of the inflammatory cycle, well, then you use that. Mm -hmm. And you'd run it for five to 10 hours. And then the next day, you'd probably have to run it for, I'm making this up, but being real on my experience. Mm -hmm. uh, you'd probably have to run it for uh, three one-hour sessions during the next day mm -hmm. to keep it clear. And then maybe an hour or two for a couple of days after that. And maybe by the end of a week, you're running it a half an hour every other day. But as soon as you start actually moving and walking and bending your muscles and, and or flexing your muscles and actually doing things, well, then you don't need the machine anymore because your body will do it automatically. In terms of, um, you know, we've, we've talked a lot about, you know, maybe um, Achilles issues or sprained ankles, whatever it might be. For, obviously, for triathletes, there's a lot of general fatigue from, you know, say you go out for a three-hour run and you've got just general doms all over your legs. It's not in one isolated area. And again, the you know, the... Um, historical advice has been, you know, um, has been the rice advice, and uh, and um, or going and sitting in a river or whatever it might be. Again, it feels better afterwards. But when you're talking about, you know, your whole leg area, does all the advice that you've given up to this point sort of remain the same? You know, don't cool and try to do active recovery work. So if you go for a three-hour run, you know, maybe do um, a little thirty-minute easy bike ride straight afterwards, just to try to spin it out. Or what's your advice around general fatigue yes, rather no, than acute that was, pains? That was 100% correct. Active mm. recovery is how the body heals. I actually have an article out there. Again, it's free. It's called Active Versus Passive Recovery. Mm. And you can just Google Active Versus Passive Recovery Rhino. It'll pop right up. And I explain what you just said is exactly what I say to do. Mm. If you've gone for a hard, long, 100-mile bike ride and now you're finished, what you want to do is you want to go for a nice, easy 15 to 20 minute ride. And what I suggest that you do is over the course of the next couple hours, you keep repeating that easy work 
until you've completely decongested the area, mm. which on, on something as simple, but that's not like a third degree ankle sprain. You know, that's just tired and sore. Mm. Active recovery is the answer. There is no question about it. Sitting still I, in, in, the, in that article, I tell a story and I say, oh, just imagine you just finished a really hard uh, triathlon, really hard, and you're just trashed. Mm. And I force you to sit in a center seat on an airplane for 10 straight hours and you're not allowed to get up. Oh, what a nightmare at the other end. When you go to get up, you will hurt everywhere. But if on the other hand, every 45 minutes or so you stood up, walked up and down the aisle a few times, kind of move your arms around. Then I did a couple wall push-ups in the back in the bathroom area. At the end of the ride, you'd be like, wow, I don't feel that bad. Yeah. So it's the sitting still that, 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 that puts you under because that, that, in effect, that snow starts to accumulate. And as it accumulates, it starts putting pressure on the nerves and restricting flow to the area. Well, the combination of pressure and restriction of supplies hurts. Mm. And so you, you, it, it's not good. But all you have to do to solve the problem is simply move your muscles. Active recovery, I actually made up a, an acronym where active recovery is the answer, and I called it ARETA. And that's in many of the things that you'll see when I'm interviewed about, about actual injuries. I just say ARETA, active recovery is the answer. Of course it is. We know stillness is wrong. We know that. That's an absolute reality. Prove it to yourself. Go beat yourself up and then get in a tight seat on an airplane for 10 hours and tell me how you feel at the other end. No matter what, you're going to feel worse than when you started. Hmm. And it's like, well, we know you should move, but see, it's not always practical to move. Hmm. It's, 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 it's sometimes it's, it's difficult to move. Say for example, it's your traps and upper shoulder area. For whatever reason, that's what got trashed on you today. How do you actively recover your upper trap and shoulder area? What do you do? We put your arms? I mean, I can go for an easy bike ride. I get that. I can go for a, 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 an aggressive uh, walk, you know, following a hard run or a light jog. It's hard to do a light jog because your body weight's still rebounding off the ground. So it's, it's kind of hard to do an easy run after you've just done a really hard run. Mm. But you can do it. Certainly you can do it better than, uh, than not doing something. But it's just it's easier to go on an easy bike ride than it is to do an easy run. Mm. So you've got to pick, well, how am I going to do it? Well, with your traps, or for that matter, your low back, how do you actively recover your traps and low back? I take a pad, put it in the middle of my trap, take another pad, put it in the middle of my other trap. I sit back in an easy chair holding the pillow, and I do my traps. Mm. It's very simple to do. You can do it manually. You don't need a Mark Pro to do it but it's just so much more convenient and easier to do with a Mark Pro. It's like, why would I ever not use a, an electronic stimulation device to do it? Why would I do it manually? Mm. And I'm not like, I'm not like trying to find a shortcut. I'm just trying to be real. Mm. You know, you're sitting in that airplane and your traps and low back or what are bothering you. What are you going to do? Mm. I can put the Mark Pro on sitting in the airplane. And I have athletes doing that all over the country who are, who are competing in world events all the time. I and mean, it's normal they do this. And you go, wow, really? Professional golfers, by the way, who are flying cross-country or cross-continents uh, to play golf, they get really jammed up. You know, you walk a course, 36 holes or 
whatever whatever a number of holes the, the match was. Uh, and then you're on an airplane, you're flying to the next place. Okay, well, what do you think that's like? Mm-hmm. They walk the course. It's a long walk. It's miles. My soccer players, my professional soccer players, they play a game, they run six or seven miles, whatever it is. They get put on an airplane, they fly to the next place. Well, what do you do on the airplane to, to work your hip flexors? I can do it with electronically. Mm-hmm. And that's where the reality comes in clearly putting ice on does not solve the problem. That's, that's a given. There's, there is no people say to me, what is, what's the other side of the argument? There is no other side because I'm stating fact and they're stating myths and superstitions. So ice is not the answer. Making it cold is not going to fix it. Active recovery is the only way to solve the problem. Now, how are you going to activate the muscles? And that becomes the only question. Can you do it manually? Yes. Yes, you can do it. It's just easier and more convenient if you've got a tool electronically that you can use, an electronic tool that you can use to activate those muscles. So again, that, that Mark Pro, and by the way, you don't have to buy anything. That, just know. Knowing is the first step. So go to Mark Pro's website, markpro.com, and just read all the stuff from all the triathletes who are using the product. It's shocking how many there are who are using it. I mean, sometimes I go on our website and I'm like, wow, we had, we had that many more guys in the past month? Just mm-hmm. go read the reviews from the magazines, from the, from, the, from the actual users. And you go, wow, that really worked. But then read the science of why active recovery works. Mm-hmm. I'm not in any way suggesting or pushing that you buy a particular product. I'm telling you what you need is active recovery to solve the problem. However you choose to do it, I agree. Just make sure you're doing something active. Mm. Uh, guys, I, I totally echo what Gary's saying there because um, you know, from a coaching standpoint, if I can convince athletes to go for a little easy spin after a long ride or if you can make the effort to go for um, a, a prolonged warm down after a race, it makes a massive difference to your recovery. So totally echo what Gary's saying there. Now, Gary, if, um, if guys, want to, guys and girls want to read more about this, what can they sort of expect from your book? Um, is it expanding you know, significantly on what we've said? Is there other sort of topics you go into? Um, maybe just give us a bit of an outline of the, of the book. Well, here's what the book does. The book gives you everything I just told you and then all the details and the facts that accomplish that and uh, that accompany that and why all of that is true. Now, do you care about that? Um, I've had some athletes go, no, man, I get it. I'm not doing it. And they don't like and that's it. That's all. They, don't, they don't want to know anything else. They don't want to know why. They don't want to know science. They get it and they don't want to do it. And they just stop. And then I have others who say, you know what? I'm a coach uh, and I work with other athletes and I work with athletes and I want to be able to lead them out of the ice age. Okay. Well, I have a chapter in the book called the university of you where I give you the most common questions. And by the way, they're all going to be the same. I've done it thousands of times. I know what the questions are. And I give you the answers that I give along with the clinical references to support what I just said. So in the university of you, I teach you, the coach, how to lead others out of the ice age. And I actually have parents. It's not uncommon for parents to call me, a parent of an athlete who uses my book to convince the coach to stop making their child 
use ice. Mm. So the book is very good if you if you care about details. If you go, I don't care about details. I'm not going to do it because it's wrong. That's all I need to know. Fine, don't read the book. Mm. But if you if you're the kind of person that likes to know details and you'd like to be able to help others out of the ice age, you should read the book. Uh, there's a great article out there, by the way, um, that, that gives you a, a, a view of the book from trainers and coaches and therapist perspective. The article is called De-Iced, The End of the Cold War. And it's an article that was written about, it's written about my book, but it's really written about the people who are using my book to make a difference. And that's a free article. Just Google de-ice the end of the Cold War, Rhinel. In fact, de-ice the end of the Cold War will probably bring it up. But if you do de-ice the end of the Cold War, Rhinel, then you can read that article and you can see what all these different people who are working with world famous and very elite professional athletes and elite military too, by the way, and you say, wow, well, look at that. Now, if that's all you need, then just stop after you read that. If you want to know more, you want to leave others out of the Ice Age, the book is a great resource. And it's an inexpensive book. It's under 16 bucks. Mm. And if you buy it on Kindle, it's under 10 bucks. Yeah. So for, you know, where do you get that kind of information put in one place where someone took seven years or so and traveled all around the country, all around the U.S., interviewing all the most elite people, reading all the information on the topic, putting it in order, organizing it, putting it in order so that you can read it and have it at your fingertips for 10 bucks. I mean, come on, that's, that's a good deal. But if you don't want it, don't get it. That article may be enough for you. So just go and read the, uh, the de-iced article and maybe that's all you want. If you want more, uh, on my website, there's a lot of information that's free. The only thing for sale on my website is my book. Uh, which you can go to Amazon or Kindle to get that. So, but but it's all, that's the, on my on my website. All the rest of the information is free. You can you can click print and use any way you like to use. What I care about is helping others out of the ice age. So let me give you a fast reason that I got so passionate about solving this problem. I had a doctor say to me in a presentation. I had about a hundred docs in the room and he said, well, Gary, if it's so bad, where are all the bodies? Mm -hmm. I said, doc, it, it doesn't kill people. It kills dreams. You, you, you kind of got it wrong there. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the high school kid who's got a shot at a free ride pitching baseball. And when the scouts come, He's really off because for the past three weeks, his trainers have him icing every day. He's icing at lunch. He's icing before he comes to school because he's trying to get ready for the big in effect tryout. And he gets passed over. It, it, you ruined the kid's dreams. He had a shot and you gave him bad information or, or, or the, the college guy who's got a shot at the NFL and the first day of camp. He pulls his hamstring. So as a result, not knowing what to do, but knowing what he's always told to do, he ices it. And then the trainers ice it. And then he ices it and goes back to his hotel room that night. And he ices it again the next morning. He's even sleeping with ice. He wakes up and the bed's all wet where the ice leaked on, on the bed. And he never gets better. And he never makes the NFL. 
it doesn't kill people. It kills dreams. And see, that's the point. It isn't that it kills people. It doesn't kill anybody. You guys die from it. But it kills dreams. And that matters. Uh, giving someone bad advice that causes them to not reach their goal, to me, is unconscionable. You're not allowed to do that. that. You have to stop that. Hence the reason I sign every one of my papers. And if I send any emails to you, I'm not sure if I did or not. Yeah. It always ends. The meltdown continues. And we're, we're just, by the way, beginning the meltdown. My guess is at this point uh, that 99% or more of all athletes injured in the next 24 hours will ice. Would, so we're, um, literally, we're less than a percent. Less than a percent of the people have heard the news. Now, by the way, well over a million have heard this message I'm giving you today and for your audience. Well over a million people have heard it. And the, people are getting it. But still, I'm confident that 99% plus of all athletes injured today will put ice on that injury. Not knowing it's wrong or not understanding why it's wrong or not sure that it's actually going to make things worse so it's worth trying because why not do it if it's not going to make it worse? Well, they don't know that it's making it worse. They're, they're completely unaware of the facts. And think about that. Over 99% of all the athletes injured in the next 24 hours are going to ice. That, that's unbelievable. What, when you come from where, what I know and what you now know, how could that possibly be? Well, that's what the statistics are, folks. So we have a long way to go, and we need a lot of help. Yeah. So anybody who wants help, my book, it's a blueprint. My website, you can print, copy, use, anything you want. I try to answer all emails uh, and, and do follow-up phone consultations with anybody who is a coach or a serious athlete. I try to take every call, but you can imagine I can't take every single one. But I really try to get to everybody. I answer every email. That's, that's a for sure. Calling every person, that sometimes gets impractical. Yeah. And I just have to answer with an email and hope that, you know, I'm able to solve the question with it, with, you know, you know, I'll send them the reference here. There's this, or here's that, or, or, or ask this or whatever to their coach. But I will respond to every correspondence, at least with an email response. Yeah. Fantastic, Gary. Like a, a huge amount of awesome information you've given all the listeners food for thought. And uh, let's hope loads of them take it on board. And guys, if you want to go check out Gary's website again, it's com. Gary, thanks so much for your time. And um, I've got other questions. We might get you back on another day in terms of, uh, I know a lot of the listeners will have other questions as well. So um, love to get you back on another time and uh, we can maybe go into some more specific questions that, that listeners might have. So um, thanks for your time and uh, thanks for your contribution to our sport. The meltdown continues. Thank you very much. Well, I didn't, again, John, John's been really good lately because he's been doing a lot of work. And, um, 
But I didn't do the interview, but I did listen to the interview before today's show, which I never do normally, so I've kind of stepped up to another gear. But uh, it was really interesting, his, his kind of the energy he puts out, because you definitely, like, Brett Sutton's a bit like this. Brett Sutton is there's kind of an energy that's kind of, a, I've always had to defend myself. Mm. And you've got this kind of defensiveness that came with Gary, I felt. It was awesome, which is one thing I want to add. Um, Gary said when we didn't mention his Twitter handle, if you do want to stay up to speed, he says he puts loads of stuff on Twitter. It's at the anti-iceman. Okay. Is his Twitter handle, and he said that's probably the best way to follow him. Okay. I found it fascinating. So apologies, the, the quality we did ended up doing over the phone. His the Skype. Oh no, it's fine. I managed yeah. to make it work. Yep. So it was, it was really interesting and, and quite eye-opening for me because, um, yeah, I haven't really heard this opinion extensively. That the, extensively the ice before. thing is shifting now, but in public consciousness, like you are hearing less. Don't put ice on it afterwards. Mm. Well, I, I'm literally for. I had a 30-second conversation with John Hallamans after swim training this morning, which was actually a week ago, and I said, oh, I'll get you to listen to this interview because I'm, I'm really he keen to hear your opinion on it, and that's what I want to do. What this interview has provoked me to doing is to do some more research myself, get a few other people's opinions that I really respect, because you, you should never just listen to one person and go, oh, sweet, I'm just definitely doing that. I mean, Gary had huge amounts of compelling evidence there that mm. really made you think, holy crap. Mm. Um, but John said to me, yeah, I went and did uh, a presentation about 20 years ago to at a sports uh, medicine conference and uh, was saying icing look we're not doing the right thing here with icing and he said he didn't get laughed out of the room but he said everybody's like what are you on what oh, are you really? on about um, and so it's amazing that things like this just take so long to, to come along so I'm going to uh, ask him his opinion he was saying um, again this was a, a 30 second yeah. conversation he was saying you know there's definitely some evidence around cooling not icing, but cooling. Um, so I want to look into that a bit more. And, so and what I'll does this mean for like, you know, because this is very much kind of injury, bigger problems, but what does it mean for like the whole post-run bath? Yeah, it means a lot. Um, so I think what we're going to, it's different than say Kona when we're using icing to try to keep ourselves cool. cool yeah, that's a totally different. No, this subject. is a way to aid aid injury. Or um, and so I think then, yeah, as I said, we've got to find that medium if there is one between icing and cooling. So icing is obviously freezing temperature, mm. whereas John was sort of saying again, tiny conversation, cooling might be something there and cooling might be 14 degrees centigrade which is like going and standing in a cold lake. Yeah. Um, but in terms of going and seeing an ice bath based off what we've heard from Gary, that is not the path forward. Um, so, interesting. And, so, and, he, interesting. and he was very big on basically movement as a way to recover. Can't echo that enough as well. So that race that I did two weeks ago, I, I got straight on my bike as soon as I could after the race, did a 20-minute warm down. I know anecdotally, when if I, I really try to encourage the athletes that I coach to try to do um, spins after long runs because that's often when you're going Let's to get out, the, yeah. the, the, the most damage and also hard runs. If but, he's, but he's also talking of injury, mm, mm. which I found interesting. You know, like let's say you have torn a calf. So I don't think he's going to promote you going and limping. No. But, you know, that's a beauty of our sport is if you've got a running injury, we can get on the bike and keep that blood flow going. And, and, and he's really sort of saying do that more often. So you might get on your bike four times in a day. Mm. I know it's not practical for a lot of you, but that really promotion, the promotion of, of um, active movement um, is really what he's talking about. And it, it makes sense to me. Um, mm. Whether it's right or not, I'm not going to stand up here and say, yes, it is, but it makes sense to mm. me. Mm. So fa fascinating. Colin, thanks for sending that through. Yeah, really good work. So um, I'll put all the links to all that on this week's show notes on www.imtalk.me. Okay, Jombo, well, that's pretty much it. We've got no questions and answer. We've got to give uh, extreme, extreme endurance. Yes, it's your electric buffer, John. 
remember the promo code uh, I am talk twenty. You get twenty percent off. Should work on the dot um, eu website dot uh, co dot uk website. So make sure you take advantage of that discount. Not only do you get a really great discount, but it also shows those guys uh, how much you guys support are supporting the product and supporting the show. So as well as getting twenty percent off um, all the products, you know your fantastic extreme endurance. If you get it, if you're susceptible to getting allergies, check out the um, immune boost. But you can also you guys are going through winter. There's some cool clothing on here. They've got nice hoodies. They've got some an eco fleece sweatpants. They've got a men's tri blend sweatpants. I'm going to have to get with the, the program here. You know, they're slightly tighter switch sweatpants than mm. what I'm sort of used yeah, to. Yeah, John, you know what? Take the risk. Take the risk. Yeah, because you know what? Are they the tapered ones? Yeah. Yeah, John, do it. <laughs> yeah, because I was like that. And I've decided in my later years, John, I've got to go with the fashion. Because oh. what a lot of people do is they kind of, the, the fashion they had in their years from like 13 through to 20 kind of sets their life up. Yeah. You know, you know yeah. what I mean? Like you and I, were kind of more of that surfy generation, so board shorts. Barker's trackies. Barker's trackies, <laughs> you know. We, you know, And and about five years ago, I thought, to, no, about three or four years ago, I thought to myself, no, I'm going to try to be more with trends. Mm. Now, I'm not going to spend too much money on fashion because I'm a tight, tight, tight butt mm. fundamentally. But we, I, I, I first bought some tapered pants and the first time I wore them, I felt a bit funny. Mm-hmm. Now, John, love my tapered pants. Tapered and even pants. even my, my, I've even bought short shorts again for like, like for like the beach. Stubbies. Not stubbies, because <laughs> the, the, the young kids are doing shorter shorts. Like our generation, beach yeah. shorts are down to the knees or lower, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Unless you're wearing your Speedos, John. Yeah. John always pulls off. But, but the your, your generation, they're going higher. Mm-hmm. So recently I bought some high ones. At first I felt weird. Yeah. yeah, I'm loving the hot short shorts. Ah, wear short shorts. I so John, know. get some extreme endurance tapered pants. They have. So get on there, guys. They got hoodies. They got fleece tops. They got sweatpants. They got a range of different t-shirts and singlets, and uh, some white woman's shorts. Some little hot pants, looking good. So and some cool t-shirts as well. So check it out, xendurance.com. It's really good price as well, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Meets your always meets your threshold, Bevan. Yeah your rules around your clothes. Yep. So check it out, xendurance.com. You guys got races coming up. Make sure you get on uh, the Extreme Endurance to reduce your muscle pain, improve your performance, and uh, be on to a winner. I know that, is Wanaka, was Wanaka last weekend or this weekend? It's coming up. It's coming up. Yep. yep. <laughs> <laughs> I will be pumping that stuff and making sure that I can recover. Because the key thing for me is Wanaka, I really want to go as fast as I can. I haven't been, I've semi, done some semi-specific preparation for it. But it's really a building block for mm. rote, and I want to be able to recover as quick as I can and carry on with training. So, so how much longer do you have to rote? Um, so we've got March, April, May, June, so about four months. So yeah, so I've done my summer preparation, and uh, so I need to get back into it as soon as I can afterwards. So looking Good forward to it. Yeah. Extreme endurance is a big part of my recovery and giving me a race day boost. Okay, xendurance.com, guys. Check it out. Okay, Jombo, that's pretty much today's show, so let's just give some love to the patrons. Row number two you've got. Row number two. Yes. Row number two, we've got uh, Lucy Francis sitting on the wall there in Kona. Oh, we've got photo. the mountain snail there wearing the IM Talk kit. Uh, the problem with the IM Talk kit is he's going off and doing this bloody Brecca challenge in Wanaka. It's not going to be visible. Uh-huh. Maybe he could wear his... When, when's that? Uh, it's late March. Okay. Mid late March. What item of clothing can we get the mountain snail wearing? Well, he we wears his got, shoes. We haven't got a cap. What, for no, him to so wear on the race? make sure we have some I Am Talk branding on the No, he's one of the caps, doesn't he? Beanies. The swim cap. Yeah, but he's probably not going to. Yeah, you can wear that in the swim and then uh, take it on and off mountains. Now, there yep. you go. You might yep. have to wear an event one, though. Ah, 
Screw them. Yeah. You know, more important. And then we've got uh, on the top row there, we've also got Tim Hemming, um, who looks like he's also wearing the Iron Talk uh, kit, and he's been over racing the Israel Man. And we've got one other, who is that? The one that sent us through the picture of the pelvis. Tim Beastie Besant. Oh, that's a great name. He's got a, an x-ray of his pelvis, and it's got like this metal rod Ooh. next to his rod. That's <laughs> um, a double rod, that is. And it's, he must have obviously fractured. I don't know if that's permanent or not, but it's looking pretty beastie. John, mm. if you want to be a patron of the show, you go to www.iamtalk.me. It's all very obvious on there. And what you're doing is you're supporting John and I putting good content out each week. Now, I was out driving my car every day, Sunday morning. Every day, yeah. Most days, I'll drive my car, yeah. And uh, I was driving along, and, and I saw an old Iron Man talk jersey. What day was this? I know, John, I know. <laughs> so, and I and I looked at the person, and it took me a second, and it's one of my best mates, Duncan's wife, Olga. And and I saw Olga, and I what, gave her a wave. What day was this? Sunday. Sunday, did yeah. you say she'd seen me? Yeah, no, 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 because I'm driving. <laughs> so yeah. I'm driving, she, I drove past, give her the beat, drive, see you later. But then she put on Facebook, so wait a second, oh, she didn't tag you on the Facebook, so wait a second, I'll pull oh. this up. So then, uh, this is uncanny, John. So first of all, I didn't even notice it was Olga at first. I just saw the Iron, Iron Man talk jersey. I was like, oh my God, there's an Iron Man talk jersey. Yeah. So at first, and she was wearing glasses, so I didn't quite at first know it was her. And so I waved just because it's, come on, it's Iron Talk, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I waved, then I realized it was her, so I gave her a wave and gave her a beep. And then she put on Facebook, lovely morning ride to Sumner Sport by a flat tire, uh, thanks to a spear being naked. So, but did get to see Bevan James Isles, who drove past pre-puncher, and then met John Newsom from Iron Talk, who stopped to see if I needed help, as he was out running, so he wouldn't have to have a spear tube. Um, so he wouldn't have a spear tube, and basically he was able to help. Me. So, <laughs> I needed a break as well. Oh, did you? <laughs> well, so I was doing this run. I was pretty tired on Monday, and I thought it was public holiday. And I thought, get out, get this run. Oh, it was Monday, it was Monday, yeah. done yeah. with. And, um, and I saw legs. And it was and hot. And hot. And I was doing a set where I'd done, warmed up and I was doing 2K where I was trying to hold um, <clears throat> 3 minute 45K pace. And then I was having 1K where I was holding 4 minute 30K pace. And uh, I think when I'd seen her, I'd just finished, just finished my second lot of 2K. And you hit three sets. <laughs> I was doing four sets and it wasn't going very well. <laughs> and uh, and she had a punch. And I was running out and I thought, that's an Iron Talk jersey. And I got closer and I stopped. And uh, it was an Iron Man, Iron uh, Man yeah. Talk one. Original. And yeah, I said, oh, can I help? But it was because uh, some people don't know how to change punctures that well but she seemed to be making progress so uh -huh. i said okay i'll carry on yes, but i was in one man. of my 1ks at the 4 30 but i did stop my watch of well. course i didn't want to claim any extra time because now we're doing the strava thing you know oh, true yeah can't go claiming time uh -huh. so it was good to see a, a, a collector's edition jersey out there and you know the community gives back that's how mm. we roll john that's how we roll um any other goss john no sponsors have you done that athlinks.com social yep. networking for endurance athletes extreme endurance Electric buffer and our patrons. Okay, John. So this race weekend race, that's it. Sorry. Oh, just I'm just kind of trying to wrap up. Yeah, No, we will have a good time down in Wanaka, and where you staying? I'm staying at the guy I used to coach's house. Oh, about halfway good. down the uh, course, it's right at the far end of the course. And the whole family going? Well, this is the day. Uh, here we go. Here we go. So last weekend. Yep. Thomas had football trials. Oh. And Are you a coach this year? Uh, I think I'm going to do hockey instead. What do you mean? Well, Fel Felicity might do hockey. So okay. if she does hockey, I want to do hockey. Um, so the top, they have trials and they only have four teams to get into the, the, the seeded sort of teams and then the rest they just distribute into more social teams. Okay. 
So, so 14 for good kids. It's spread over three weeks. So the first week is to cull yep. most people. And if he doesn't get culled, then he'll have to be here for second week, which happens to be Wanaka. And I was like, I really don't want him to miss that because his football is really, really important yeah, to him. Yeah. And so he's staying up. So if he gets through, he's staying up. Do you if think, not, will he get through? I think so. Okay. Yeah, he's been training pretty hard. Uh, so I'll be taking Felicity down in the car on Thursday and then Belinda's flying down on Friday and she's getting a lift with you from the airport. Oh, how's she getting a lift with me? I don't even know how I'm getting from the airport. Oh, she's getting a lift with you. <laughs> I sent you a text. Can she get a ride? Oh, that's right. From so from here, from here. No, I'm Oh, from, from, from Monica. Yeah. Oh, I think you mean from here. I'm sure oh, we'll be able to make it work. Okay. I don't even know how I'm getting my lift. Okay. I interpreted that she needed a lift from here to the airport. No, no, you interpreted it incorrectly. I'm glad we cleared that up. <laughs> okay. That could have been a disaster. John, I'm at the airport. Well, I don't know my lift up yet, but as soon as I find out my lift, I'll let you know. Okay, great. Yeah. So she's yeah. coming on Friday. Does she need a lift to the airport from here? Because I can do that. No, she'll be going from work. <laughs> okay. So probably take Felicity, maybe Thomas, and we're doing the kids' race on the Friday. Nice. And then uh, we'll race on Saturday and we'll come back. Whenever, Monday maybe. Are you going to drive back or fly back? Drive back. Because I'll drive down. Yeah, true. Save money. Flying the whole family wouldn't be cheap, would it? No. Although you put me onto the old New Zealand points card. You get a lot of points if you put, you know. Yeah. yeah, it's good. How's married life? Oh, John, it's the best thing ever. Mm. You know, you put jaws on a couple of weeks ago, it's, it's proven to be wrong. It's more like the hills are alive. With the sound of music. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, yep, so I'm married. Yep, we had our honeymoon in Tekapo. We actually, yeah. the honeymoon's kind of based around our camp. Yes. So we're going, we're going, we're going, where are we going? We're going, okay, here we go. Paris? Mm-hmm. Have you been there? Many times. Amsterdam? Yes. Only time I've ever been stoned in my life. I wish I was there. <laughs> um, I wish I wasn't. It was horrible. Uh, uh, Berlin? Not been to Berlin. Look forward to Berlin. I was, mm. I was doing some work with a girl in Auckland. She was telling me about all the things to do in Berlin. It sounds pretty cool. Prague? Prague's great. Yeah, so that. Budapest? I've not done Budapest. No. And then... Munich. Mm-hmm. Have you done Munich? No. I don't know if I'm going to have time to do anything in Munich. I would like to go there, but um, we're flying in there. But I don't know if we're actually doing much. You've got a day. You've got a day. I've, I've, I've conversed with Joe. Okay, my your, travel agent. Your schedule sorted. <laughs> I just get these kind of emails like, oh, yeah, that's sorted out. That's, that's, that's happening. <laughs> so very good. Again, if I said this last week. If anybody knows where I can hire a bike from in Munich, or if anyone on the camp wants to bring two bikes, <laughs> anything, because I really don't want to carry a bike around Europe for six weeks for a week camp at the end of it so anyway team that's us for this week we'll be back next week with lots of interviews from Challenge Wanaka and uh, let's rock and roll good luck to anybody who's chasing Wanaka we'll see you down there and also if you haven't listened to Chrissy Wellington on Legends of the Triathlon go check it out I'm Russ I'm Endo train hard train smart kia kaha